I hope that your Christmas was everything that God desired it to be for you. I know that it's um, just a day after Christmas. Technically, um, we're done with, with Advent, but we're continuing it. We had the Christmas program, and so we're celebrating that fourth week of Christmas this week. And um, maybe you have some more celebrations that you're going to continue to have. I know we have a couple still on the calendar. So Christmas continues as it does this morning in worship. Continuing with this series, what are you getting for Christmas? And that series, that title, was all about the gifts that we looked at all throughout the Advent season, the four weeks, uh, three prior and then this morning. A question posed to have you um, ask questions, to wonder about the gifts that Jesus Christ brought into the world and desires to not just give to you, but fill your lives with hope. Incredible hope. Hope that helps you rise above. Hope that moves your mountains. Hope that helps you pick up your feet in the face of the greatest adversity. Hope, the hope of Jesus. Peace. Peace to melt away your fears, wash away your worries, still that anxiety. Peace, the peace of Jesus. Joy. Joy in recognizing that all of the blessings that you have in life, every single one of them God-given. Joy in knowing that he's blessed you and in an infinite number of ways. Joy in knowing that he's blessed you relationally. People that love you, people that care for you. Joy in that and joy in knowing that indeed he loves you. The joy of Jesus. Thinking about all of those gifts of all of the things that we ask for and all of the things that we wonder about or want in this world to focus and think about those gifts that we really need and that are there for the asking. That's what God says. I want you to experience and to know all of my gifts, all of the great gifts that I sent my son into this world to give to you. And it has been a great privilege to share truth about those gifts with you. But today, a great, great privilege all over again to share with you about the greatest gift from the greatest gift, God's love. You know, and and as I, as I, I thought about this and thought about Starting, and if it wasn't enough to be able to share those gifts, to think about God's love, where do you, where where to begin? Where where to begin when speaking about God's love? It, it's so immense. It's so awesome. It's so incredible. I shared the truth on Christmas Eve that that Jesus changed everything, and that's what God's love does in a heart and in our lives. Changes everything. 
And I guess the thing that I would ask you to do as we start is just to open up your hearts. Open up your hearts to think about the love of God. What it means. What God desires it to mean in your heart and in your life. (laughs) It'll blow you up. Try it. Open up your heart. Think about it. The love of God. And I'm going to present to you um, really just one verse. John 3.16. Do you know that verse? Okay. There's a few head nods. I'd like to ask you to um, read it and share it with me. John 3.16, the words are on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then the next words are, I'm sorry, verse 17. Yep. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So did you know that verse? Okay, good. And uh, it is the most well-known verse, arguably, in all of Scripture. I'm sure of it. But but I want you to know that when I asked you if you knew John 3.16, I, I wasn't talking about knowing the words. When I asked you if you knew John 3.16, what I was asking was, do you know, do you know John 3.16? Do do you know what God is sharing with you and, and with a lost and hurting world in those words? Do you know the truth of them? Are they there in your heart? Is it something that makes your heart beat and skip? Does it bring that joy, that hope, that peace? Do you know John 3, 16? Do you know the love of Jesus Christ? This is so profound to to think about this truth. And I hope that indeed that you do, and I hope that indeed you know the love of Jesus Christ because it will change you and change you forever. You'll never be the same. I hope that you you know the love of Jesus, and I hope you know that you are so, so loved. The reason that this is the most well-known verse is because it is the most incredible truth. It is because God wants a lost and hurting world to know that he loves it. He wants everybody here, everybody listening to know that he loves them and that he loves them so much, so much. I want you to start thinking about that as we just spend a few minutes together. I thought about it a lot. I thought about it all week. I think about it all the time in quiet places and in moments when it's just him and me. I thought about it when I gathered with my family and there was a lot of hustle and bustle. I I think about it a lot sometimes when I'm just sitting over there before worship. I I think about it when I go to stores. 
Think about it when I lay my head down on my pillow. God's love. It is so profound. So incredible. That the God who created the universe loves you and loves me. I can't get over it, and I hope I never will. I want to put that into perspective just a minute when you think about it. You are so loved. For God so loved the world. I I want you to think about people that you care about, and, 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 and in this world, put this into perspective, of people that other people care about too, that we would say maybe they, they idolize or they worship. Maybe, maybe like actors, maybe like sports figures, maybe celebrities, whatever that means, music, music people, uh, singers, maybe even politicians, people that they, that they idolize and they follow and they buy their music and they watch their movies and they wish, so desperately wish and would would maybe fall over and faint if they even met them. I I want to put that into perspective for you and I'm gonna be brutally honest for a moment. So if you have somebody that you really idolize that you like, oh, I'd do anything to meet that person, I, I want to just share this truth with you. They don't know your name. Unless you send them, you know, like a million, you know, fan mail things. Maybe they say, like, man, we got to stop this. And I hire security so you can't get close to them. I didn't say that to be mean. I said that for you to think about the love of God. We're talking about a creator of all things. Powerful, majestic God. I really resonate with the words of David in Roman of Psalm 8. I know I've shared that with you before. Who, who, who am I that you would know me? Who am I that you would care for me? You see, the God that created everything knows you doesn't only know your name, knows everything about you more than you know about yourself. I like to use that illustration, hairs on the head. Have you counted them recently? Like I also say, for some of us, it's getting a little easier. He knows you that well. Why does he know you that well? Because he loves you that much. And he won't keep you at arm's length. He won't keep you at distance. No, he desires just the opposite. To have a personal, intimate, real, vibrant relationship with you. To be inside of you that close. Everywhere you go, he goes. Everything that you're thinking about, everything that you're struggling with, he knows about it. 
And he wants you to know him so that you know that he loves you. And he's there to give you those other gifts that we've celebrated. Again, hope, peace, and joy. Not just in a little thimbleful, not, but overflowing in a profound and a wonderful way. God's love for you. It's incredible to think about. And here's something else to think about. Not only does God love you, and here, here's the deal. I know that all of you are incredibly lovable. But I'm a sinner. And I've come to appreciate that God loved me before I did one single good thing. That's what Romans 5.8 says. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So before I could do one single good thing, and you know, sometimes that's how we, we, we give love, right? Or how we wonder about how somebody loves us. If they do something that is good or we have that kind of a relationship with them, and we know that they love us so we love them back, See, that, that's the amazing thing of God's love, right? It's unconditional. We didn't have to do anything to deserve it. It's given freely. So powerful. So God so loved the world that he gave. He gave Jesus Christ his one and only son. Think of Ephesians 2, 5 and 8. It's for by grace are you saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by works, lest any man should boast. See, there's nothing that we could ever do to earn or merit the love of God. Nothing. Whatever it is that you think that you could give to God, and, and Christianity, by the way, is the only religion that functions off of that understanding. Because in every other world religion, you have to do something to earn or merit salvation, save, save Christianity. See, God's love is unconditional, and I would submit to you it is inconceivable. I thought of that too when I, when I filmed that Advent um, video with Steve and Sarah. And, and they both nailed it. It is, just, it is just powerful. It's amazing to think of the love of God. We, we can't put it into terms. We can't describe it. We can't explain it in a way that, that reaches everything that it is. No superlatives. It, if, if, if it's on the list of too good to be true, number two, you need a Hubble telescope to see. That's how incredible, that's how amazing, that's how profound the love of God is. You are loved so much. Do you know the love of God? Not like I would have to prove it, but three things I want you to, to think about in terms of the love of God. And why you can know that it's true. 
The first is this, and it's up on the screen. Because it's a promise from God's word and God himself. God says that he loves you. And I want you to think about that. So, so scripture, the word of God, and, and we have that right there in, in the verse that we read. For God so loved the world, you put your name in there. God says that he loves you. He says it in all kinds of different places, in all kinds of different ways. In his word, his revealed word to you and to me. A, a word that despite um, a, a relentless effort throughout human history to disprove it never has been. The, the more that um, science and technology is used to try to disprove the truths that Scripture brings, all it ever does is validate it. That's odd, isn't it? Not. There's a couple of books that guys that were atheists that were written. I commend them to you. Maybe you've read them. Lee Strobel, um, uh, uh, atheist who um, worked the beat. It was an investigative reporter for, uh, at the time, one of the largest newspapers in the country. Um, was an atheist, wrote a book called The Case for Christ, did everything he could to disprove Christianity. And then predating that, a guy named Josh McDowell, Evidence Demands a Verdict. Um, they, they sought to disprove the truth of Scripture and then, of course, Christianity. What they discovered in the end was that God loved them. That, that's how it's gone. Why? Because none of the promises, none of the words, none of the truths can or will be disproven. And when God says that he loves you, it's a promise that he himself is saying to you. Pretty profound. The, the second one is this, um, the reality that Jesus is God's gift of grace. That, that Jesus historically existed and that he is who he says he is. There's a lot of things that I could have shared at this moment. I just want to share um, one, one real illustration. There was a, a professor from Westmont College that decided that he would attempt to see um, all of the prophecies, and he picked just 48. There's a little over 50. 48 prophecies about Jesus in Scripture. And so he wanted to put them to um, a test of probability. So a mathematical um, test, probability, and what's the other word? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, wanted to prove it. And so he went ahead and put those all out there, did all of the, the investigative work, the research, um, put it into mathematical terms, took all of that information, sent it to... Um, to uh, the um, American Scientific Board. Such a board exists to see if his um, research and his statistics were, were valid, that he did his homework, he did the right things. 
they indeed validated it, and then he did um, research with students. They focused on, on only out of the 48. Um, a lot of his research centered down and was boiled down to eight, eight main prophecies of Jesus. Here, here's what I want you to grasp out of all of that. So in going ahead and applying those, those eight prophecies to Jesus Christ and the probability that they all fit him as a person and that he actually existed and it was real and true were 10 to the 17th power. Do you know math? That is a big, big number. 10 to the 17th power. If I had pages, it would take 17 pages of zeros to represent that number. Here's another way to look at it. If I were to take you to the state of Texas, anybody been to the state of Texas? Maybe some of you are from there. Everything's bigger in Texas, right? Big state. And we were to cover that entire state. Try to wrap your brain around this. If we were to cover the entire state in silver dollars, 10 to the 17th zero would cover the entire state with silver dollars two foot deep. And then I would say to you, okay, I'm going to blindfold you. You can walk, and you can walk for days. You can walk wherever you want in the state of Texas, and you can dig down to the bottom of the two feet. But wherever you stop, you can only pick up one silver dollar. What are your chances of picking out one that I marked? Jesus is the gift of God's grace. Jesus was sent as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the forgiver of your sins because God loved you. It's profound to think about. If you were to take all 48 prophecies and do that, it'd be nine times that, 10 to the 157th power actually over that. The state of Texas would be covered 18 foot deep. It's it's incredible, and that's why I share that. For you to wrap your brain around the reality of everything that God says in his word and in the person of Jesus Christ in Christmas, that Jesus was born, that he lived, that he died because God loves you so much. He wants you to know that, to open up your heart to it. But then, lastly, this truth. The proof and the evidence of God's love is your personal change and transformation. I really hope that you can resonate with that. You know, I, I know I shared it on Christmas Eve too, but I would shudder to think of who I would be without the presence of Jesus. I know I have a lot of work in my own heart and life as it is. But the difference that God has made, knowing the love of Jesus Christ in my heart and in my life, and what about you? The things that you experience, the person that you are, the things that you know no, 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 again, not here, here, because of the love of God. 
There is no greater proof in a lost and hurting world for the love of God than a changed life and someone who has it in their heart. Salt, light. The, the way that we can demonstrate that God's love is real is to, is to know it ourselves. To have it in our hearts to receive that gift that he so freely wants to give. And again, not just one time as a forgiver of our sins. And I hope that that's true for everybody here, but also as a leader in life that he wants to keep pouring that love into our hearts and into our lives. Isn't it amazing? You, you, you can go some, and it'll never run out. No matter how much you give God's love away, he'll fill you over and over and over and over again to give it more. It's awesome. Your own personal change and transformation is the proof of God's incredible love for you. Whatever that looks like today, whatever that will look like a year from now, five years from now, there's nothing that changes a heart and a life like the love of God. Do you know the love of Jesus Christ? That's the challenge for us. That's what Christmas is all about. The birth of Jesus reveals God's heart and his love for you. That was what verse 17 was all about. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, just a real quick um, think about that thought because one of the battles that Satan is waging all out war on and wants people to question is the love of God, right? And you've heard the questions. If there is a God, then why is there this, 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 and this? God never denies. And when people ask me that question, I say, have you read? He doesn't deny that that's going to happen. He doesn't deny that there's going to be hard moments. He doesn't deny there's going to, but he's going to love you to help you through it, to carry you, to demonstrate who he is to you, and to love you in ways that you just can't imagine. And then, of course, um, to dispute Christianity. God sent his son into the world to save the world, not condemn it, to love on it and to love it. And that's the challenge that we have, to receive the gift of Jesus Christ and to give it away. Nothing will change the world more. Again, greatest event in all of human history. And I can never think about Christmas without thinking about Easter. See, God sent his love for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Gave how? All the way to the cross. So whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message that he wants you to know. What are you getting for Christmas? Receive the gift of God's love and then give it away. 
Will you pray with me? Lord God, I, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. And Lord, words never been able to do it and I never will. And can't even now on behalf of everybody here, Lord, to, to describe the gratitude and the thanks for your love given. But Lord, simply to praise you for the gift of your great love, your unconditional, inconceivable, amazing, mind-blowing love. And Lord, we just give you praise for it. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you'd stir our hearts. You'd open up our hearts to your love even more, whatever that means, whatever that can look like in terms of who we choose to be. People that are thankful, people that are grateful, people that know that they're loved, and people that give your love away. Might it be. All praise, thanks to you. In the name of your precious Son, we pray. Amen.